Hello friends, Tom here from wherever you are tuning in. I wanna welcome you. It is wild to think that it is already December 2020. We are in the last month of this uh, unprecedented year in my lifetime at least, but <clears throat> glad that you're joining us. Each December, uh, we, we tend to do a series uh, on, on Advent. Uh, and if you're not familiar with what Advent is, Advent is a word that has kind of Latin roots. And what it means is it means coming or, or, or like arrival. In Advent, what it refers to is it refers to the coming, the arrival of Christ, of Jesus, the Messiah, the promised one, right? In Advent, what it is, it's actually like a, it's a short season. It's, it's the few weeks that lead up to Christmas Day, all right? The day of arrival where Jesus, God in the flesh, he comes to earth on his mission to restore and to reconcile all things to himself. It's the Christmas story. It's one of the most beautiful realities that we get to experience as Christians, as followers of Jesus, as children of God. And so Advent, it's a season of anticipation. It's a season of, of, of celebration. It's a season of hope. Now, uh, before my wife, Ebony, what, before we were married, she had a, a pretty cool job. Um, we, she worked for this advertising agency. And what she did was she oversaw what was then a fairly new form of advertising. It was sign twirling. Now, if you've ever seen people standing on the corner of a street holding a sign, you know, twirling it or spinning it or, or dancing or whatever, that's what I'm talking about. It's like the human sign holding, you know, a, a sign and twirling it and that kind of thing. And I, I'm certain that most of you, if not all of you, have seen this uh, form of advertising. Now, many years ago when Ebony was, uh, was doing this kind of work, um, what she did was uh, she, she worked for this advertising agency and this form of advertising, the swine tolling, it originated with, with like new home developments. Okay, so an area that's being developed, you have, you know, tract homes or different things uh, that are kind of like off the beaten path at first until the area gets developed. And what they would do is they would have the people stay on the corner uh, of an intersection with a sign uh, pointing people to the new development because typically it wouldn't necessarily go that way because it's still being developed. So it became this kind of like new form of advertising, right? And what Ebony did was she 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 mad she managed kind of a really a large portion of all of the sign twirlers in Southern California. Okay, so she had like a like regional responsibility, and so she would recruit people and she would hire those people to then go do the work of the sign twirling, right? And then what she would do also, is she would drive all around Southern California and she'd supervise her teams and check in on her employees and the whole thing, right? Now, as kind of funny as it might seem or ironic as it might seem, this form of advertising is actually really, really effective. Studies show that like it boosts sales quite a bit, <clears throat> actually. Now, and because of these statistics, because of how effective this form of advertising is, it didn't take long for a bunch of other industries to kind of catch on, right? So since then, since the many years ago that Ebony was doing that kind of work, sign twirling has been this like, it really has progressed, right? It's, it's made its way, not just, it's, it's found its way into other industries, not just in like new home developments and such. I mean, I've seen, I've seen all sorts of sign twirlers promoting all sorts of things. I've seen sign twirlers promoting stores and I've seen them promoting restaurants and maybe you've seen around tax season someone dressed up like the Statue of Liberty with a sign twirling it kind of promoting tax preparation and accounting and all that kind of stuff, right? 
I've seen sign twirlers promoting uh, to sell puppies. I've seen them promoting the sale of uh, recreational marijuana. I've even seen sign twirlers promoting sign twirling. All right? It really is a fairly common form of advertising now. And if you've ever seen it, some of these people, they get super into it, right? They'll dress up in costumes, whether it's like a superhero or, you know, ridiculous costumes even too. Uh, some of them will dance and, and, and kind of draw attention and, and even perform. There's one guy, <clears throat> I used to see him on the corner of 79 South, and the dude had epic moves. Like, he was a really good dancer. People would honk as they drive through the intersections as this guy's dancing and, and doing his science twirling. Maybe you've seen people that can do all the tricks, right? They throw the sign up in the air and it spins and they can, like catch it and all these you know, different things with the sign twirling. In every instance, there's a sign, okay? And the purpose of a sign is what? The purpose of a sign is to point to something. So friends, in a sense, that's what the Advent season is. It's a sign that points us to Jesus, to God coming to earth on a mission as the Jesus Storybook Bible puts it, to make everything sad come untrue. So, before we jump into our Advent passage for today, it's going to be in Isaiah chapter 9, uh, I want to kind of set the table before the meal, okay? Whenever we open our Bibles, you know, open it up somewhere in the middle, it's important that we know where we are in the story, Okay, so if, if you were to open Harry Potter, for instance, somewhere in the middle and started reading somewhere, like, you'd be lost if you didn't know what happened prior to that. Okay, the same is true for the Bible. So let me set the table really, really quick. The Bible, it, it, one of amongst many things is it tells the story of humanity. Okay, from the very beginning, excuse me, <clears throat> from the very beginning, God, what happens? God creates. He says, let there be light and there's light. He speaks through his words, right? He creates all these things, the plants and the animals and the pinnacle of his creation, mankind, uh, man and woman made in his image, right? And after God finishes creating everything, he says what? He says, it's good. So you have all of God's creation that is good. And then you, I'm sure you know the story. Humans, they rebel. They, they, they disobey God. And sin... It starts to infect everything, okay? Sin was the first and worst global pandemic in history, okay? Death is then introduced. Destruction is introduced. Decay, division between God and man and man and man and man and creation, right? But in the aftermath of sin entering God's creation, God makes a promise, promise that he will make things right again. Okay, he will restore things to the way that he intended them to be in the beginning. All right? And then over time, page after page in the Bible, God's promise to restore and renew all things begins to unfold, okay? God's it's speaking through his prophets. He he starts sharing more details over time of how his promise will unfold and when. Okay? So you have, you have generation after generation waiting and, and, and anticipating for God to fulfill his promise to make things right again. That's where we pick up here in Isaiah chapter 9. 
Okay, before I jump into the scriptures, I want to pray. So from wherever you are tuning in, I want to invite you to pray along with me. <clears throat> uh, Father, uh, we, uh, we want to invite you, Holy Spirit. And Father, we ask you now um, to enlighten us, to teach us, to show us. We want to learn more about your promises, more about your plan. And I know this is a familiar story for many. But this is also some of the most deep and rich truth that there is. And the truth of who you are and what you've done, when it truly permeates like every square inch of our heart, it has the power to transform us and empower us to live a transcendent life. So I pray, Lord, that right now in this moment, <clears throat> you'd lead our time, you'd help me serve and love the people that are tuning into this, and that you would teach us, Holy Spirit. We need you. Jesus, we love you. Father, we're grateful. And Spirit, we look to you now. We pray all of these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so Isaiah chapter 9, two verses. Verses 6 and 7 says this. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 7. The dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal, zeal is like passion, of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Okay, <clears throat> this whole passage, these two verses, it's a promise. The whole thing is a promise. What is it promising though? Okay, it, it's promising a child. I don't know if you caught that. So a, a person, okay, who is unlike anyone else. All right, a, a, a divine king. So a man who is God and who is king. All right, who will then make things right? So there's this, this promised one. It's known as the Messiah or the Christ. Okay, I know many of you know this. Messiah and Christ are the same thing, right? Messiah is Hebrew, right? And Christ is Greek. And what both of them mean is it means anointed one. So what I want to do really quick is I want to, I want to, I want to take a look at this for just a moment. Okay, this, this idea of this promised anointed king. All right. So this king, this king will come, what, to make things right. Now, in verse 7, Isaiah says that he will rule with justice and righteousness forever. So, in other words, everything that's wrong, okay, it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot for us to look, look around and see there's a lot of things that are wrong. Everything that's wrong, everything that's evil, everything that's unjust, everything that's not right, this king, this promised one, will make right. And then what happens here is, <clears throat> excuse me, Isaiah gives this promised king four names. I don't know if you, ca if you caught them. It says this, these four names, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. Okay, I want to look at all four of these. Let's take a look at all four of these. The first one, Wonderful Counselor. 
Now, the word there, wonderful, that we read in, in, in English, it's, it comes from the, the Hebrew word pele, all right? And what that word means is it means this, an astounding thing which causes a feeling or attitude of intense amazement. Okay, so feeling or, or, or an attitude of intense amazement, all right? Now, you pair that with this word yoes, which is Hebrew for counselor, and that means someone whose advice is wise and valuable. All right, so putting those two things together, this, this promised king will be supremely and amazingly wise and available. Okay, it's a, it's a, a counselor, all right? So availability to share that amazing and, and, and supreme wisdom. All right, so that's, that's wonderful counselor. The next one, mighty God. The word here for mighty in Hebrew means powerful and strong. So this, this powerful and strong child is not merely human, but divine. Okay, so in other words, a strong, powerful God person. <clears throat> right? Mighty God. The next one here, eternal father. Now this literally means forever father. Okay, eternal father, forever father. Now, this isn't like a new thing in the scriptures. We see this fatherly theme used throughout the Old Testament to describe God, okay? Uh, take a look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 12. It says this, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, just as a father disciplines the son in whom he delights. Psalm 103, verse 13 says this, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. That word fear is like more like a reverence. Okay, it involves here, but it's, it's bigger than that. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, who, who, who have reverence for him, in the same way that a father has compassion for a child. So the, this eternal father name, it speaks of concern, it speaks of discipline, it speaks of compassion, and it speaks of care. And listen to me, all of that, it leads to a tremendous security for a child. And that security, it isn't temporary, it's eternal. I think about my children, I think about me as their dad and them as my children, that, that my presence with them to provide con like my concern for them, the ways that I discipline them for their well-being and protection and development, the compassion I have on them in their life, the care that I provide for them, that creates an environment for security for any child. Now, I think we all can think of several examples when those types of things aren't present and how much a child struggles because secure, the, the environment isn't as secure as it probably should be. This idea of forever father, it produces a, a type of security. Now, the fourth one here, prince of peace. The Hebrew word here for prince, it speaks of this idea like royal authority and oversight, okay? And it, it, for the purpose of peace, right? The prince of peace, royal authority and oversight in this area of peace. Now. The word here in English that we read is peace. It's the Hebrew word shalom. And oftentimes when we think of peace, we tend to think of like the absence of conflict. Okay? But the word shalom, the idea that the Hebrew idea of peace, of shalom, 
it doesn't just mean the absence of conflict. It also points to the presence of something even better, okay? What shalom means in the, in the Hebrew is it means wholeness or, or, or completeness. So, so in the context here of what, what I, Isaiah is writing, the prophet is writing to us, we have sin, it's infected all of, it, all of humanity, okay? And it's, an, it's, and its effects on humanity have brought tons of destruction and brokenness and division into every single area of human life, okay? But this promised one will administer what? Shalom. In an environment where sin has run rampant and the ripple effects of sin have been, have been devastating on humanity, there's this promised one who will administer shalom. This implies this idea of restoration. Okay, remember the, thing, the way that things were? This idea of restoring wholeness. D.A. Carson says this, quote, Unlike the princes in the pagan pantheon who were always the source of trouble and upheaval, this child will be the source of peace. A biblical concept, he's referring to Shalom, a biblical concept that includes much more than mere absence of conflict. It speaks of wholeness and integration, listen to this, with no issues left unresolved. No issues left unresolved. Wholeness, holistic, completeness. So I want you to see the picture that God is painting here through Isaiah's prophecy, okay? A promised king who is supremely and amazingly wise, who isn't merely human, but is himself God, divinely powerful and strong, who provides the eternal security of a forever father and who restores wholeness. Shalom. This is the promise. And listen, we're on the other side of history, so we know that the promise is fulfilled. We know that, that, that this promise is fulfilled in and through Jesus, the Christ, okay, the Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one. And that's what we celebrate on Christmas Day. And that's what believers have been celebrating on Christmas Day for thousands of years. This is a beautiful season. So friends, this Advent season, this, this Advent means coming, right, or arrival, this, this season leading up to Christmas, this Advent season, it's a reminder that God keeps his promises, man. And listen, some of you need to hear this, that God keeps his promises. You need to reflect on this. And it is, it is easy to forget that God is faithful, in a year, 2020, man, in a year where there has been so much let down, we need to be reminded that God never lets his people down. He's faithful and he keeps his promises. And the coming of the Christ, the promised one, the anointed one, is proof. No circumstance could ever take that away from us. No pandemic could ever take that away from us. No economic uncertainty, no racial injustice, no, no craziness that swirls around us, no political wild nut whatever, like none of that stuff, nothing, none of that gets in the way of the faithfulness of God on display through fulfilling his promise to come. To make things right. The Advent season is an opportunity to examine and enjoy the faithfulness of God, friends. Listen, 
it's also a reminder that there are promises that are still yet to be fulfilled. And therefore, we live with anticipation. Advent, Advent is not only about celebrating what God has done through Jesus' first Advent, His first coming. It's also about anticipating what God will do through Jesus' second Advent, His second coming. Okay? So I'll, I'll close with this. I want to encourage you to give yourself to these two things this month. Okay, this, this, this Advent season leading up to Christmas, I want to encourage you to give yourself to celebration and to anticipation. It's the purpose, okay? Uh, to give yourself to celebrate what God has done in and through Jesus, right? The, that the promised one has come. God has been faithful to fulfill his promise. The Messiah has come to live the perfect life in our place that we never could, okay? Perfection, never making the wrong choice, always obeying, always worshiping always honoring the perfect life in our place that none of us ever could to credit us that perfection, to credit us that, that perfect record. And not only that, but he came to die the death that we deserve on the cross, the penalty for the sins that we've committed against God, the ways we rejected him by disobeying him. Jesus came to pay the debt of our sin with his blood as our substitute, his life in our place, his death in our place for anyone and everyone who trusts in that. Okay, the forgiveness of sin, freedom from it. Not just forgiveness from it, but freedom from it. We're free to say no to that which we were in bondage to before. And in the process of Jesus' mission, of him, of God coming, fulfilling his promise, life in our place, death in our place, and when we trust in that, now we're reconciled to God. It's the gospel good news of who God is and what he's done through Jesus and how that reconciles our relationship. The holy God reconciled to the sinner. God being able to just destroy evil and sin without destroying the evil sinner. Reconciliation this is a beautiful picture. Okay, so I want to encourage you to celebrate and enjoy the gift of God's grace, his forgiveness, his love. So listen, if you find yourself in a season in life where you're not right with God, if you, if you haven't received his love and forgiveness, or maybe it's been a long time since you have, listen to me, I can't think of a better time than right now. He offers himself to you. Advent, this season leading up to Christmas, it's a reminder of that. So I encourage you to give yourself over to celebration this month and also to give yourself over to anticipation. Okay, living with anticipation, anticipating what God will do when Jesus returns. Hit the second advent, the second coming of Christ, when the fullness of the work of restoration will be fully realized. When, when, when shalom, when, when wholeness will be complete. No more death, no more sin, no more brokenness, no more evil, no more corruption, only peace. I want to encourage you to give yourself to anticipation this month. The promised one has come and he will come again. Because friends, God keeps his promises. And that's what the Advent season is all about. I'll leave you with a quote here from Ray Orland. It says this, quote, Look at Jesus as the wonderful counselor. He has the best ideas and strategies. Let's follow him. As the mighty God, he defeats his enemies easily. Let's hide behind him. As the everlasting father, he loves us endlessly. 
Let's enjoy him. And as the Prince of Peace, he reconciles us while we are still his enemies. Let's welcome his dominion. Will you pray with me? God, you're brilliant. Your redemptive work, your plan unfolding through the ages. We are grateful to be kind of on this side of the cross where we can look, we, we have the, the privilege of looking back and seeing the, the, the beautiful kind of story and narrative that, you're writ, that you've written prior to us. And we also have the privilege of looking ahead to the glory to come when, when Jesus, when you return for the second time to finalize and completely usher in your kingdom. You really are this glorious promised king. So I pray for all of us that we would, uh, as this quote says, we would like yield to your dominion, your rule, your reign more in every single area of our lives and see that as we do that, it's such a gracious invitation that you offer us. The, the fact that you would invite us to be the king of our lives and that you are good and loving and fatherly and caring and eternal and all-powerful and all-wise, you don't have to do that. The very ones that rebel against you, you invite to be close as family, as children. So we want you to rule on in our lives. And I pray that this month, this Advent season, um, that you would bless us with a greater awareness of all that we have to celebrate in Jesus and all that we have to anticipate for your, your return. We love you, we need you, and we're grateful that you continually offer yourself to us. Let us be people who enjoy you and obey you. Thank you, Jesus. We celebrate you. Amen. Friends, um, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to hand things over to uh, the worship team. And they are going to serve us right now and give us an opportunity to respond to who God is, to what he's done, with praise, with adoration, with love, with worship. So grace and peace to you. I invite you now. Celebrate him now. Enjoy him now. Anticipate his, his, his coming arrival in the second advent now. And do it with praise and gratitude in your heart. Love you guys very much.